I'm going to read from Acts 1, 1 to 11. Jesus taken up into heaven. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven. After giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen, after his suffering, he showed himself to these men and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. And from Matthew 28, I read the Great Commission. Matthew 28, 16 to 20. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything. I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. The word of God. Praise be to God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as I speak this morning, let the words I speak be your words, from your word. And Father, let people hear and let them follow you. Thank you, Father. Amen. So... We just read the Great Commission. If we don't value people's souls, we will not go out looking for them. And if we don't go looking for them, then we cannot fulfill our purpose, which is to bring people into a right relationship with God. And if we do not fulfill our purpose, then what good are we to God? Suppose you are God and you wanted to announce the birth of your son, the savior of the world, the one the nation of Israel had been waiting for for hundreds of years. Who do you announce it to? Who do you invite to come and see this miraculous event? Now, when Megan and Harry had baby Archie, they didn't send a message to the longshoremen and fishmongers first. They didn't send personal invitations to the 
cab drivers and the, and the fishermen. They didn't send invitations to the homeless on the street to see Archie. I'm guessing those invitations were printed in gold leaf and hand-delivered to political leaders, foreign heads of state, don't you? The point is that you would expect an event like the birth of Jesus to be announced to the most important people in the nation. Political leaders, magistrates, and religious leaders, military leaders, men and women of standing and distinction. No. No. Who got the personal invitation? A few poor shepherds. Basically, in those days, known as social and religious outcasts. Why would God do this? Why would he send the angels to announce the birth of his son to these, these shepherds and only invite them, only invite them to the miracle of the ages? They weren't unusually holy or outstanding believers in God, although they listened to the angels. They did believe them and they did what they said but they were not more religious than anyone else. If I were a shepherd, I would wonder if God even knew me because I'm out looking after my sheep 24-7. I don't get to the temple. Does God even know me? So I'm thinking this is why God announced the birth of his son to the shepherds, to show that his love does not discriminate on the basis of wealth, class, social standing. He does not respect kings or princes more than hourly laborers. He does not value priests and ministers and pastors more than he does the people in the pews. God does not show favoritism. For God so loved the world, the world and everybody in it, that he gave his only son. So that who? Who? so that everyone believes in him may not perish, but have every eternal and everlasting life. Yay. Jesus did not come to be the savior of kings, governors, popes, and priests. Jesus came to be the savior of the world and everyone in it, including lowly despised outcasts like shepherds, and like the homeless, and like drug addicts. He does not discriminate on the basis of intelligence, education, religion, training, wealth, profession, political power, social standing, or any of the other qualities that we humans use to judge one another. He not only came for the so-called least, he went out of his way to meet them. He deliberately went into enemy territory to confront a Samaritan woman about her adultery, walked up to a paralyzed man who had been lying at the sheep pool for 38 years and healed him, sailed across the Sea of Galilee to drive out a thousand demons out of a Gentile, restored the sight of the blind, healed the lepers on the side of the road, made the deaf to hear, the lame to walk, and brought the dead back to life. And heal not only the physically sick and suffering, but those 
who were suffering from spiritual disease as well and brokenness. Nicodemus saw them under the cover of darkness, and little Zacchaeus climbed up a tree to see him. Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and he wanted to see Jesus. But Jesus also healed the rich and the powerful. He healed the centurion's servant, brought Jairus' back to daughter back to life. And who were his followers? Who, who were his disciples? Fishermen, tax collectors. Philip and Luke were Greek. Some, like Paul, were trained religious students. Some were women, like women who follow Jesus today. They came from diverse backgrounds. Some were single, some wives and mothers. They were from homes of political power, and they were from the back streets of tiny villages. They were bound together by an encounter with Jesus. And I know this church is bound together by an encounter with Jesus. He healed some of them. He delivered some of the demons, some from demons. His tenderness and respect for women was radical in a culture where rabbi or religious leader would never be caught talking to a woman in public. But these women fed the disciples, gave them the resources, and traveled as part of the Jesus team. We find them at the foot of the cross, grieving with Jesus' mother. Mary Magdalene was the first to see Jesus when he rose. Luke says that when the Holy Spirit was given to the 11 disciples, that there were also women there who received it. God and Jesus do not discriminate. And these women were called to follow the Great Commission as well. Go and make disciples of all nations. In God's eyes, there is no least of these. Only we make that distinction. In God's eyes, every one of us are wonderfully and fearfully made children of God and equally valued by him. Jesus told two stories to make this point, one about a shepherd that lost his sheep and the other about a woman that lost a coin. So here's the shepherd at the end of the day counting his sheep, 95, 96, 97, 98, 99. 95, 96, 97, 98, 99. <gasps> There's a sheep missing. Where's Fluffy? Fluffy, I haven't seen Fluffy all afternoon. Oh, little Fluffy's gone. So what does he do? He backtracks and he goes uphill and downhill and he sees her in the moonlight and he calls out, Fluffy, yay, I found her. And the little lamb runs to him. And he doesn't scold Fluffy. He puts her over his shoulders and he takes her home where she will be safe with the other sheep. Now it's important to understand that in the eyes of the shepherd, the lost sheep was not more important than his other 99 sheep. However, if they had been people, because we are a foolish bunch, 
might not have seen it that way. Might not seem fair that the shepherd left them all alone to go and find that dumb little lamb that didn't pay attention and got lost. How dare he leave them just to go and find that one? They were the good sheep. They were the good sheep. They didn't go away. They were here. They followed the shepherd. But Jesus' point is this. You who are in the church, the ones who are not lost, you need to be out looking for the ones that are lost. Go there and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. As you came in this morning, did you see the sign at the door? No, no shirts, no shoes, no worship. Of course you didn't, because it's not there, nor would I ever be associated with a church that had that at their front door. All are welcome in Chalmers. Doesn't matter if they look different from us, if they're different color from us, if they come from a different culture, if they dress different. It doesn't matter. If they wear a tie or if they come in their shorts or their bare feet. God loves us all. We can come however we want. None of it matters to God, and none of it should matter to us. The lost coin the woman lost was of no greater value than the other ten she had. The point was it was lost. The point Jesus is trying to make with both these parables is that people are much more important than a sheep or a coin, and that all people are important to God. Some folks are silly enough to believe that God hates sinners and cares very little for them. Well, I'm here to tell you then, if you feel that way, you must believe God hates you and me because we're all sinners. It's exactly why Jesus came. Lost sheep, coins cannot find their way back to God if they're lost. But like the shepherd, God wants us to go out and search for the one who is lost. He wants us to search every nook and cranny, not close the door on them and leave them in the dark. But he wants us to light a lamp, sweep the house, go to every nation, to go to the ends of the earth, if it need be, to find that one lost person. Now, I'm not telling you you've got to go to Africa or go to... Haiti or go anywhere, I'm telling you, you need to just get out in your own neighborhood. Spreading the love of God in this community, as this church does, in your own neighborhood, in your own town, will spread to the ends of the earth. It really, really will. Your love poured into your community will spread to the ends of the world. We live in a world where there is so much greed and so much hate and so much sadness. We see them on the news all the time, families. 
families just wanting to belong somewhere. That God has blessed us. Here we are in the land of milk and honey right here. And so we need to reach out and love. How about starting right here in Chalmers? God has brought you here. I can guarantee you God has brought you here. There are a few people not here this morning that I would have liked to hear this. God has brought you here for a purpose. We have a bunch of little lambs downstairs. Little lambs that God wants us to reach. That God wants us to tell about Jesus. There's also a bunch of sheets downstairs for people to sign. We have a lot of young families in this church. God has brought you here to disciple these little sheep. And to be a member of this church is a privilege. I can't... When I joined this church, it was like a fi- the final little piece of a puzzle popped in. Yeah. I belong to Chalmers. I love Chalmers. When you come into this church, you find the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You find the warmth of God here. And we have to take that out. He doesn't want us just to come to this church and sit here on Sunday and then go home and do nothing. He wants us to go into the world... Go next door, love your neighbor. Go down the street to someone you know is having a hard time, put your arms around them. That love will be passed into the world. Go downstairs and help with Sunday school. Help with the the nursery and those beautiful babies that are in there. Help with the preschool. There are sheets down there for you to sign. To be a member of this church... You can do even more for God than if you're not a member. You can still do a lot, whether you just come here or not. But you can do more if you're a member of the church. Because there are certain jobs where you need to be a member. And we need the young people, the young families in this church to sign those sheets. Because come September, we have to divide that Sunday school from a little group into a bigger group. And we're going to need more teachers, and that's what God's saying. Go into the world. Go downstairs into the world and bring Jesus to those little sheep. We need you here at Chalmers. There are a few people doing a lot of work. God bless them. We need a lot of people doing a little bit of work. Signing those sheets don't mean you're going to be down there every Sunday. That's not what we want. We want lots of signatures. So you may only have to be down there one Sunday a month. Into the world. Go into the world. Start in your own neighborhood. You can start right here in Chalmers. You can start in your own town. And for many of us, for many of us, unfortunately, we can find lost in our own families. I know I can. Right in our own families. Wow. And we pray. And that's good.
At the end of our life, will God say, and I'm praying to, that he will say to each and every one of us, well done, good and faithful servant. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, sometimes we need your strength to go into the world and make disciples. To go into the world and shine your light. It's not shoving you down people's throats. It's just simply loving and smiling and helping. We have a garden out here. This church, God, thank you for being here. We want you here. I've been in churches where I couldn't find you at all. But God, you are here so strong. And we've got people that have planted a garden out here to go into our world and bless people. Thank you for giving those people that idea and bless them for doing it, for following through on your instructions. We have a freezer out there that's, that somebody's going to take charge of getting freezer meals in that can go out into our world and show your love. Thank you for Chalmers, Father. Thank you for being here. Thank you for leading us. Help us to follow. Help us to hear you. You're an amazing God. And you have blessed us. And we look at and we see the beauty that you have given us. And I hope each and every one of us realize your mighty power is just such a tiny little bit of what you can do. And it's amazing and it's beautiful. Thank you, Father. Thank you for your word. And we do pray that you will say, well done, good and faithful servant. Amen.